Welcome to Heartspeak Podcast, episode 157, Soul Intelligence. Welcome to the Heartspeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. I'm so pleased we're getting together again. And I hope you're enjoying this time. I said it was going to be intense right up to the middle of October. And that intensity may not be external, it may be inside you. It may even be making you feel tired or frustrated. And certainly with Mercury squaring Pluto, you may be having quite intense dreams. As Pluto is pushing to the surface, all those things that we thought we could keep in the closet, all those times that we didn't speak out, Mercury speaking out. What needs to be communicated? What have we hidden? And especially in relation to relationships, because Mercury, which is now also going retrograde, is in Libra, which is all about fairness in relationships. So what have you buried away in the name of harmony and peace and keeping everybody happy? What is coming to the surface to be expressed? So just see this. I've seen it in my dreams where things that I didn't even need to deal with on the outer world were being dealt with in my world, inside my dream state. I was coming to terms with old energies. And as we move forward, and there's going to be a new moon coming up, and we're going to be moving on, but I was listening to someone who I very much respect, someone called Dr. Matthias Desmet, D-E-S-M-E-T. He's a psychologist or psycho psychology professor at the University of uh, Ghent in Belgium. And he is also a statistician. And what he was bringing over as an idea is that we are living in a state of mass formation. And this was a name I didn't know. Another name for it might be mass hypnosis. And he, like many of us, had kind of said, okay, this event that's been going on now for, well, almost two years, didn't come out of the blue. It came from a place that was already present in society, but was, had just become intensified. And he, like myself, thought, okay, even though people have very intense and, and dogmatic viewpoints, their energy that they're putting into it is not new. It's as if they've suddenly found a new focus for this energy, but the feelings they were having about not trusting people or feeling angry with, with their relatives or whoever, it's all just being intensified at this time by having a certain focus. And what he describes is that if someone, a group, is wanting to create a totalitarian system, which is really what many are speaking about at this time, then there are four major factors that need to come into play to create that, that first of all, mass formation or mass hypnosis, which is then used to create a totalitarian system. And I thought, well, that really goes along with what I have seen because as I've looked at the immune system, there are very similar features involved with creating this change in, in a collective way as to what happens within our own physical form, our own immune system. 
So our immune system is based on the idea of there being a healthy way I can look after myself. And that is how do I nurture myself? What is good for me? What gives me pleasure? And all of that comes from having a sense of I. I exist. So that a healthy immune system has a sense of I and I in relationship to the world. An unhealthy one can feel that I don't have any part to play or I have lost my control of myself in my world. And this is what he says was has been happening. So his four tenets of something that will bring us away from our inner self, our soul's intelligence, our social isolation. So social isolation happened, we all know, but we also need to understand that social isolation was happening long before COVID. People were becoming busier, more separated, maybe working from home, spending more time on a phone, but the phone wasn't necessarily meaning they were having one-to-one -one meetings, spending more time on social media, which is not necessarily sociable. And so this social isolation has been increasing over a number of years where we don't have eye contact, we don't smile at each other, we don't touch each other. And this was all exacerbated by what we were told due to, that we needed to do for COVID. Don't go near people, don't trust people, don't kiss people, don't touch people, don't smile at people. And so when you isolate humanity or humans from each other, they, they immediately fall into a place of helplessness. They feel that they have no connection. Now, for those of us who fortunately have people around us, maybe have pets around us, we keep that energy flowing and strong and healthy doses of oxytocin by touch, by looking even in our pet's eyes, by talking with each other, by smiling with each other. These are really healthy things to do. But when you have mistrust, mistrust of yourself and of others, then all of that shuts down. And what I've come to understand is that there are many people who'd never had a connection to not only the external world, but also to their own inner world. You know, during times where I've gone through a dark night of the soul, it's been at those times that I've really tapped into the deep part of me. Sometimes even my belief in or my belief in the spirit world has been tested. But there's always been me. And the me is my spirit world. It is my soul. But, you know, all those sort of beliefs that we might have spiritually or religiously may go, but that sense of love or connection never dies. And I believe that in a time of social isolation, if our sense of connection was only external or even in our belief system, it never went deeply inside us, then we feel even more socially isolated. So I feel that this whole time has allowed many of us to develop a stronger soul connection. Yes, a stronger sense of I, a stronger immune system, not a weaker one because we're literally being asked to look inside and say, what is it that we know means that we have a social connection that goes way beyond humanity? And first of all, it starts with us. 
It's not a belief. It's like coming home to ourselves. So he says that, as I spoke about last time, when you can cut people off from any religious or spiritual uh, rituals or, or ceremonies, so they can't keep connecting to a God in that way, but what that, that you actually start isolating them and then you have control over them. But I think what actually happens is that you come home to the sacredness inside you. And I ask each of us to ask, what does that mean to you? It's not a, a head thing. As I say, it's not even a ritual something outside you. It's in you and can never be destroyed. So social isolation will pick apart those people who have never had that connection. And he says that's up to 30% of humanity. Second thing you do is stop their information, not let them have a sense of why they're doing something. You don't need to know. And we do that as doctors. You don't need to do, just trust me. Leaders are doing it. You don't need to know. You don't need to understand this. I'm a, I understand it because I'm actually a superior person to you. You will never understand it. So just trust me. No. So not giving people information is another part of the way in which you break down the self. So that they can't make sense of something. Giving people information is vitally important. Even if it's just information about a little bit of timing and that shifts. In other words, I could say to someone, um, okay, this is going to happen to you next tomorrow. That at least gives them a little bit of structure by which they can live their life. But what we notice is the structures keep changing, don't they? Or we're going to do it by the next month. Oh, no, we're not now. We're changing that information. We're going to do it. That's a way of controlling people, constantly shifting the goalposts, constantly shifting the information that you gave them. The third point he talks about is taking away someone's sense of meaning in their life, some purpose. And I know throughout my work, people have often come to me and said, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And I know they don't want me to say, oh, you're here to save the world. I mean, they may be, but what they want is those stepping stones. They want to feel that they have a, every day they have a resonance with their purpose. So, of course, I teach them about synchronicities and intuition and following your passion and knowing that what you're doing feels good to you. What does your heart say? Listen to your body. All those things I teach. And then the last part of that is, and then celebrate what you've done. Do you get pleasure in what you're doing? Not just doing it, but actually receiving the feedback. So having meaning in your life is not having even a job to do, because there are many people, again, this professor speaks about this, that he, in Belgium, he said, you know, 50% of people don't enjoy the job they do in their world. And I've met lots of people who really don't enjoy their job. They just do it to bring the money in. So their sense of meaning, their sense of purpose isn't necessarily, if we said, oh, you're taking away your job, they might not say they're that bothered because it didn't actually bring them anything beyond maybe the security of the money, etc. So maybe this is a great time where everybody's being woken up to what brings you passion? What, is, what brings you meaning in life? What legacy do you want to leave behind? What gifts and talents have you not shared? So what he says that people become more scared and, and dependent on outside help, again, governments, when they feel there's no meaning in their life. So one thing, way we break that 
is to do little things in our own world that do give us meaning. It might not be a huge venture, but each day to say, what have I done today that gives me meaning? There's a lot of people can't self-motivate like that. And many a time I'll ask someone, so what do you enjoy doing? Or what do you have fun doing? Or what are you, what's your creative skills? And they'll say, I don't have anything. They've never tapped into something that just in small ways has given them meaning. And sometimes they've just been told they're no good at anything. That's unfortunate that so many people carry this burden of not being good at anything or anything they are good at is just a waste of time. So he says when that you can take a group of people and take away their jobs or take away their sense of meaning, then they too will be vulnerable to this mass hypnosis. I have no purpose. I have no friends, I'm isolated, I don't know what's going on. You know, you, they're just waiting for all of that to happen. And then the fourth one he talks about is free-floating anxiety. And he said many people with free-floating anxiety are looking for a focus for that. So they may go to a therapist to find out why they're like this. But many a time they prefer just to free-float in their anxiety. They don't want to do their inner work. Inner work. So they also are very vulnerable to this mass hypnosis. So what happens if you want to control people, you do those four things. You increase the anxiety, you take away the information, you take away their meaning for life, and you socially isolate them. Then you give them a purpose. You say, aha, it's a virus. And if we all do these things, then we'll come together and defeat the, the enemy. And all of a sudden, you've focused all that anxiety on that enemy. And then everybody who doesn't agree with you is also the enemy. And what that does, and we see that so commonly, is that when we have an external source to put our energy into, we don't have to do our inner work. So if you say, well, how are you growing through this experience? They'll look at you like, what do you mean? I'm so busy doing this. I haven't got time for that. And then you, they, of course, now they have a social allegiance they're a club they're an elite group they're against the whatevers <laughs> and now they're not socially isolated now they're only combined or they're only connected through that one thing but that doesn't matter because now they're not alone anymore they're not alone they have purpose they have information they don't want to question whether that information is different from someone else and they also have a focus for their anxiety and he says that 30% of the humanity is going through this at the moment. 40%, he says, are not so hypnotized, but they're just wanting to get on with the world. They just don't want, you know, don't get in my way. Let me get back to normal. Do you remember my 80%? 40% will recreate what has just been swept away. 40%, I believe, fall asleep. So there's my 30, 40% hypnotized, 40% just wanting to get back to it. And then he says 30% are not hypnotized. They're still here. And that's you. That's me. And he says they're a very heterogeneous group because they come from different walks of life, different colors, different religions, different genders. But they come together not because they're all one like a club, but they come together as individuals. Each of us saying, I actually come together because I resonate with people who also do not believe in this hypnosis. 
but I'm not wanting to form a club of that. I'm my own person. And this is the Aquarian way. This is this new energy coming in. It's not about, as I say, like the Piscean age where we'd have a leader and we all follow that leader because their truth is the one that we follow even though we don't know what it is or we don't actually know the depth of it. The Aquarian way is actually I'm quite comfortable being on my own within my own soul's intelligence and if there are other people like me, that's great. But you don't have to convert me and I don't have to follow a ritual to be part of your club. What this professor talks about is the more ritual there is involved, like the washing of hands, like the way they're all rituals, that, and the more complex they become, the more elite the group becomes, because in some ways it's taken it into a place where nobody else can reach it. You know, as long as you're able to hit your hand and rub your tummy at the same time and then hop on one foot, then you're really elite. Nobody knows why we're doing that, but it all feels special. And so he says that we're at that point now where this is mass hypnosis, again, not driven by COVID, but literally it was, a, it was a state waiting to happen. It was already happening. And there were certain people who this allowed them to experience something external to their own inner work. What he describes is in, in his experience as a statistician is that in many times, such totalitarian groups have imploded eventually because basically they become, um, they, they have no foundation. There's nothing else to fight against. They might move the, the goalposts and say, oh, we're now going to be fearful of this, but they start to lose people and then people lose interest in the, in the leaders and in fact start to attack the leaders. But he says the other interesting part of this is that there's no opposition. He said in a government that is totalitarian, the, the opposition has just dissolved, partly because many of those within opposition are actually part of this whole system of wanting to create this sort of totalitarian government. And I think we're all seeing that around the world. We wonder where the opposition is and they seem to have just disappeared. So it's depending on individuals to be opposition. Now, I speak of this, I say it because, not because I've just very impressed with this gentleman, but because I see this within the immune system, as I've spoken many a time, having a healthy immune system is everything. There are far too many illnesses now that are showing us how an unhealthy immune system exp uh, expresses itself. An immune system is also not just a physical entity. It's literally a sense of soul intelligence. And that soul intelligence, I could relate to the little villi in your small intestine who say, what of this food, what of this experience, what of this event is going to enhance Christine's energy, enhance her connection to her soul, and what is not? And so having that sense of self isn't about isolation. It's actually how does Christine become more of herself and therefore more of her divine self? And when we don't have a good emotional boundary, when we don't have a good sense of self, then other energies are allowed to come in and out of our system. And we don't even know that we have given away so much of our power. So this is the message I wanted to bring you today. 
it's one that I think is, is both inspiring and concerning on some level. But I will just give you my recipe for moving forward. How do we avoid social isolation? Most of us would not actually feel that we are socially isolated. But how do we maybe help people who have become hypnotized? All I would say is let's not socially isolate them either. Let's find a way of crossing across what may be a boundary. You don't have to convince yourself that you're in the same energy as they are, but at least say to yourself, I have not deserted them. They are deserting me. I can still feel that they are part of my world. And if they wish to join me in a world that is freer, that's very good. Because what I understand from the professor is that in hypnosis, people will feel that they can isolate their needs because they are so focused on one thing. He says, that's why you can do an operation and someone you can say to someone, okay, we're going to do this under hypnosis and you won't feel any pain because you are focusing their attention on this one thing to the exclusion of everything else. So what happens when we're in this mass hypnosis, we actually exclude other things that are important to us, like friendship, like freedom, like laughter. So if we choose to move towards those who have been hypnotized and offer them some of those things without any conditions, and there's a chance that they may come out of hypnosis. I'm not asking you to put lots of energy into that, but just a suggestion. I'm not rejecting anybody. But I am going to say, if you want to join me to come and laugh and to have some joy, I'm out there with you. Secondly, when we're coming to having information, Again, I can offer information, I can offer the stepping stones. And often I do that by asking questions. How did you reach that conclusion? Rather than telling them. If they say, I don't need to tell you why I reached that conclusion, I walk away. But I often ask a question to see whether or not there's any interest in expanding their base of understanding. Third is I would say is having meaning. Even if their meaning is to fight everybody who is not on the same page as them, it's a meaning. And I might just encourage that and say, wow, you're doing that with so much passion. Good for you. Must be giving you so much pleasure. <laughs> because maybe they've never had meaning. Maybe this is they found something inside themselves that they never knew was there. We all need to be encouraged in whatever meaning we have, we're in. So great. If you find your meaning in whatever, Go for it. And I will be the first person to cheer you on. Even though if you invited me to join you, I may not be joining you. And the fourth thing is the free floating anxiety. I believe that a lot of that free floating anxiety is about doing our own inner work, finding out how we may have become uh, uncertain or insecure. And I've seen so much success with just moving from our energy base of the base chakra where so much of that fear comes from and rooting ourselves into Mother Earth. Reconnecting to Mother Earth, sending our roots into Mother Earth, feeling the hold of Mother Earth on our roots, as you've heard me say so many times, connecting to our root chakra helps to focus in a more healthy way, I believe, that free-floating anxiety. So we can really focus on 
What does my soul want to do? I hope this has given you some ideas for yourself. We are going through such a tremendous time of change in humanity. Don't ever think this is just going to finish. Such a, such a time of mass formation or mass hypnosis is really just the beginning of the awakening. And so when I see, or I should say a reflection of the awakening, when I see those who need to keep people asleep, getting so scared by those who won't fall asleep, I know that something great is happening. I'm glad to be part of it with you. I'm glad that I see you and you see me. And I love the awakening. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.